0: Hello and welcome to Death of a Thousand Cuts, making you an awesome writer one cut at a time. My name's Tim Clare and this is a show about writing for writers, for readers and for anyone with a morbid fascination with how the story sausage is made. On this show we have three central planks to our writing manifesto. Plank the first to help you write more, plank the second to help you write better and plank the third to help you be a little bit happier as you do those things. So I am recording this uh, on the final day of the uh, London Book Fair. I'm not there. Just in a way that's irrelevant except that it's a tangentially publishing related thing and this is a show about writing and I'm going to make this the last show in the completely arbitrary splitting of seasons that happens on this podcast this has been season five uh my updating has been a little bit spotty in in fact very um but I want to do a sort of show to say, okay, well, I'm just going to kind of close off this season and then I'm going to take a couple of weeks break, which is not going to make my update schedule any less than it has been recently. And then we'll come back for season six and that's going to give me a little bit of time to, I'm going to be recording some interviews. I'm going to hopefully write and record a couple of first page uh, I, I do if, if you haven't listened to the show before or if uh, you haven't listened to all of those episodes I often uh, do and I did the first season is almost entirely composed of me doing first page uh, feedback sessions where I take a listener's first page and I give feedback on what they think they could do what I think they could do better I then they're, you know, they're quite a Quite a lot of work. I'm not grumbling. I am grumbling a little bit. Um, they're they're like quite intense for me to do, and I think what I need to do is. But once I've got into the rhythm of it, I can keep going quite easily. So I think what I need to do is go and grab a few from the show's Discord server, from the forums there, and give write some feedback, and then record them all at once, and then I'll have a bunch kind of set up. Because once I'm back into it and I'm doing it, uh, it's quite straightforward to keep going. Uh, I just like to do them well. You know, like, it, I, but guess what I'm, you know, rolling my eyes about is that it's not super easy, lazy, effortless content. That the, the fact is, like, I, I, I care about it and I try to do my best for the person and I try to give my best feedback I can. And that doesn't come easily to me. And so it's a little bit time consuming and that's why I think people enjoy those episodes because there's effort and quality. Uh, am I learning a lesson that I didn't want to? But today I'm going to do just a writing ramble which is an unscripted uh, unplanned episode where I just kind of, sometimes they're like little newsletters, sometimes they're my thoughts on a particular subject. I, I tend to go back and beat the drum, bang the drum on, on, on various issues that are important to me in writing uh, but I don't ever plan what I'm going to say beforehand, partly out of laziness, but partly because otherwise it's sometimes sometimes. All right. So sometimes I have got like a little uh, a little hobby horse that I'm already uh, eyeing up and getting ready to uh, mount in the platonic sense because I want to ride it around because responding to something that's happened or whatever. I don't really do uh, takes in the conventional sense of you know well just like i'm not a great controversialist because i always end up saying on the other hand and qualifying everything and being i think in the end even when i think i've been terribly controversial i've ended up being sort of quite toast and reasonable and people don't really complain they're kind of fine with it i i i which is a good way to be right like it's not i, I could probably attract more eyeballs to my content by lying and being an idiot i'm I'm sure i'm not that i don't lie and be an idiot as a matter of course anyway but that's just sort of accidental it's not a deliberate strategy uh but i I don't really have any super spicy takes the the, but i will you know do this episode and then there'll be a little break and then hopefully when we come back i can i might hit a more regular update schedule but i'm not going to promise it because i think that i was i'd rather under promise and over deliver on that and if i do it it'll be a lovely surprise and if i don't then i won't have engaged in uh the sort of toxic cycle of shame that can happen with these things and i only sort of highlight that it's not intrinsically interesting i know to be let behind the curtain into the update schedule of the show that's a slightly meta ouroboros snake eating its tail kind of content where it's <laughs> a podcast about about the logistics of running a podcast but I suppose it's relevant if you write because that feeling of wanting to do more than you are, feeling kind of tired, producing stuff that you're not happy with or not producing stuff, not knowing where you're going, all those bits of doubt that don't make you, that stop you that haunt you, you know, will, I suspect, be familiar to you? Not not necessarily. I, as I've said before, that I know writers who can produce on the reg, and they still report that some days it's easier than others, some days the quality is better than others, some days they go back and realise that they didn't want to write that, but they kind of turn up, and they do it, and... I I've, I I increasingly have mixed feelings about that strategy. I certainly don't think there's a one-size-fits-all strategy for all writers, but on the other hand, it's complicated, right? Because as soon, I don't know, I don't know whether you're writing demon or demons plural, are starting to chatter in your ear, but as soon as we start to accept that there may be multiple valid ways to approach writing. What you've given yourself is wiggle room, right? And when you've got wiggle room, it's easier when you turn up to write to go, well, maybe I just don't write in this way. Maybe I need to think about it more. Maybe I need to... And it's easy to get kind of lost in the weeds of what the best approach is. It's easy to do what, and I refer to this episode a, a, a lot, and I'm going to refer to it again. But the episode I talked when I talked to Dr. Tim Pitchell a few years ago about procrastination, and he talked about an intransitive preference structure, which is a fancy way of say of constantly going, "I'm going to do it. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. I'll do it tomorrow," and then, "Oh, I should have done it yesterday," where. The thing you're going to do is always sometime in the future or it should have been sometime in the past and there's never a time now that feels appropriate. I went for uh, my first run in months at the weekend. My first run in months. I didn't feel ready to do it. I didn't really want to do it. But I the flu hit me and it knocked me out. And I was really tired after having the flu and I just haven't got back into exercise and I started feeling hugely guilty and even now just bringing it up I'm starting to feel that that sort of it's almost like kind of rising damp it's almost like the guilt sort of seeps into your pores and into your bones it's like I get a bit of osteoarthritis in my left collarbone from where I broke my collarbone when I was 11 by Slipping on a football during PE and smashed my collarbone. Got picked up by an ambulance, taken to hospital, given various... The uh, anaesthetics that didn't really work. Gas and air. I started singing and crying. Uh, and then I was off school for a while. And I still get osteoarthritis in, in this bone, in this collarbone. I'm touching it now. You can't see that, the gesture I'm making. but uh, And particularly in damp weather or when the humidity creeps up when it's kind of cold and there's a storm on the way i get that right i have this little weather forecasting bone in my on the left hand side of my body and that's what guilt feels like that's what the guilt feels like it feels like something deep in in the marrow that hurts and sometimes it motivates me, but in fact, often it motivates me, but it doesn't always motivate. And I don't know what your experience is, but I imagine that it might be the same. That's, that it, it's often a motivator, but it's not always a motivator to do the thing that the absence of which is making you feel guilty about. Sometimes it's a motivator to do something that distracts you or makes you feel better because you're in pain. So maybe you go on your phone, maybe you try thinking about something else. Maybe you tell yourself you didn't really want to write, you didn't, it wouldn't have worked out very well anyway. Maybe you take quite reasonably the quickest, most efficient action to manage that emotion. Because as Dr. Tim Pitchell said in that episode, procrastination isn't a an issue, a syndrome of regulation, as we often think about it, that you're just not bothering, that you lack discipline. It's a syndrome of misregulation where you might well be super alive to your feelings and regulating them in ways that don't ultimately serve you. And I think, <laughs> sorry, I just had a little moment of Hearing myself and having this conversation with myself, and going, "Oh, oh, Tim, <laughs> oh, I need to sort some things out, right?" But uh, as I've said before, I, I think, and as Tim Pitcher said, I think sometimes it's the good, the good, good, the good news was that when we start to act, the feeling of having broken through is quite rapid like the the change in everything it, it, it's like there's this very hard sort of painful force field that as you approach it the discomfort and the ringing in your ears and the, a headache kind of grows more and more and you feel as you get closer to it increased pain like if you were to touch it you'll just be obliterated that's what the impossible task when you're depressed is like you know the thing that you can't seem to do that should be simple but you can't bear it you know going back to your novel what have i done uh, uh, and then you get closer and closer and and then most of the time we pull away but what's interesting is often when you do it um it's not that bad and then and then it's com- and then it's completely uh lost its power like there's j- i am um, I'm going to go to the UK Games Expo uh, in June and I've been putting off organising, getting a ticket and a hotel because I always worry I'm going to get it wrong and what if I'm ill and what if something comes up that means I can't go? Should I wait? You know, should I wait a little bit longer? What if I change my mind? Do I really want to go? Do I really want to take that time out to do it? I mean, it's I don't want to be away from my family for that long And I'm going to have to travel there And, and did I have, you know Is it worth it for, you know The book I'm working on And, and, and my, my work I do review But is it the thing I And the thing is I right, am not the answers to those questions Are super nebulous And nebulous That's a very Norwich way of saying that Super nebulous And they're kind of unknowable in some ultimate way, you can kind of weigh it up and do a, a weigh some pros and cons, but you can't know is it worth it to do this thing ultimately. So you can get frozen, right, where you I don't do the thing, and I feel like I can't fill in forms and I can't do basic human admin because I'm worried about getting it wrong. Do I need to know this extra thing? I find it when I'm trying to do research on my book or even write something that I start reading one document and it will mention a place or a person or it will reference some event and I go, I have to, I don't know what that is. I don't want to just keep reading without understanding what I'm reading about because otherwise it's just going to be like when I try to read Finnegan's Wake and I got 20 pages in and I was like I don't I I I'm in my own head here I've not been reading any of this this doesn't make any sense to me right like if I'm if I don't know what I'm reading about in in what sense am I learning something so then I go and read about that other thing and of course that has a bunch of references I don't understand so then I have to go and read about then and, and and pretty soon I'm down a rabbit hole uh and I'm completely lost and I have read and I keep wondering why it takes me days to... Why I'm only a paragraph into this document I said I was going to read. I don't understand. And it's because of this. And I don't necessarily have a huge answer to that. And that may be part of the... You know, because you could flip this on his head, right? And say that's one of the great joys of research. And you might have listened to... if you. I did. I did an episode where I adapted a talk... I done when the honours came out about research and going down these rabbit holes and my and really you know do you want me to be honest like I I, I love it like that's the flip side to it is I love how one thing can lead to another thing and you can't know I mean it, it it's one of the things that stops me writing fantasy a lot of the time because I just get caught up in systems and how does this thing work and it and it and it and it bothers me it winds me up because I I need to know how the economy works and how magic works and you often run at the fringes into issues around that uh, because one tiny change spirals throughout a uh, you 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 know you you have to if you're going to write fantasy or science fiction at some point be able to let go of control or at some point hand wave because you 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 can't you know like you do because it's not real right because the laws of the world do not exist in that way so at some point you have to just kind of go there's probably an answer to that but I don't I can't know everything and at some point that is busy work and it's not what the book's about. But I find that so hard and it and it bugs me and it eats away at me sometimes. Worries and feelings of and it's weird because I don't oh, it's it's odd because I don't get it with all media. I don't watch Pokemon and feel like I don't feel super bothered about quite a lot of questions that if you wanted to be nitpicky would become immediately obvious about you know what uh, uh, what animals are sentient and which ones aren't what animals can you eat and which ones can't, can't you know you know it has but don't please don't message me about this I know it's been dealt with in earlier episodes of the anime and in the manga and it's been extensively written about and blah 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 I know but and who's who's paying for this shit like how does ash afford as a 10 year old to just walk around just walk just walk around the world with a backpack and he's kind of fine you know Like, like clearly but that doesn't it doesn't bother me in any way at all i i understand the genre of thing i'm watching and it doesn't it doesn't even niggle at me it's fine it's, I understand these are genre conventions, right? But then there's stuff that those things really do wear away at me and bother me. There's books I read where a lack of interest in those questions just kills the experience for me, you know, that, that make me feel like the things I care about and my ability to get in the world are contingent on those questions being, if not answered, then at some level dealt with I don't know like I, I find like the work of I know I've talked about her before but Susanna Clark. I feel like no one could accuse her of not being thorough in her world building no one could accuse her of not caring about her worlds and I find that almost completionist <laughs> desire to flesh out a world or have thought about it at least a bit um it, it it satisfies and calms something in me as a reader that other books don't always but then you know like I play Dungeons and Dragons and there's whole sort of edges of the world and the way that magic is conceived of that just are not dealt with and that, that maybe seem rather implausible and like the exact exchange rates and how money works and how language works and how different spells work and how technology interacts with magic and all these and 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 religion and um there's a bunch of things there that just don't bother me in the same way all that I accept as being kind of mysteries that can be explored through the game and I'm not a hundred percent sure why some stuff in my own writing just I, I can't right you know like with the novel that I'm working on for the show you know I've written some and then I've got locked up again and I want to go back and change it and I I I had that with my second novel with the ice house of just there was a point where I was writing 14,000 words a week I was tearing through it and then I just I got locked up with this feeling of self-consciousness and fear and yeah I've talked about this before and so I won't go into it in depth but I I feel like I want to know everything before I finish, so I won't make any mistakes. But I can't plan books because it's it's so boring to me. I don't want to plan it out. One, you just realise when you get down into the detail of a scene that your plan didn't take into account a bunch of stuff. And two, it's it's just not, fun to write like it's not fun to just put the meat on the bones of what starts to feel like somebody else's work right (laughs) past Tim said you've got to write this scene and I just feel like I've been commissioned to trot out a less experienced person from the past's bad ideas and I don't want to do that. I want to be exploring stuff. I want it to be fresh. And I also start to think, well, if I could predict, you know, if I know what's coming, surely the reader's going to get ahead of this as well. And how can I make this good? And I may, and so this is what like, why am I a novelist? Why do I write books when every aspect of it I find really, 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 really difficult? Why do I do it? I don't know. And I, I started this podcast you know, the very first episode of Death of a Thousand Cuts is me sort of saying, if you find writing difficult, this is a show for you. And I want to emphasise that I'm not doing this performatively. This isn't some kind of forelock tugging, oh, you know, we all want to avoid our writing and go and have a biscuit, ho-ho, but really I'm knocking out two novels a year. I'm not. Like, it's been a big block to my ability to have a career as a writer M- my creative anxieties my worries about whether what I'm doing is good enough my worries about my ability to make a decision in the same way as trying to book my hotel for the UK Games Expo I wanted to know am I deaf is this the best one can will I be able to get there and back do I need to Am I definitely going to go? Should I leave it another day? Do I need to check with someone? What if I do this and I, I realize then someone points out something that I haven't thought of. Oh God, I don't, do. I, I just. Oh no. And 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 why is it taking me so long? And then the stress of ambient stress of it is on on top of me. Why am I doing this? I can't. I find it really scary to go ahead, not knowing, not knowing if what I'm doing is a is a massive waste of time tell you what is a massive waste of time farting about worrying about the future that clearly is right like that has not got me anywhere really you can have a little think about stuff and I think when you're doing research and the reason that this is more of a tangled knotty problem than just saying just go for it's because research does take time and you have to make notes and you have to think stuff through and it's complicated and there's often you then if you want to do it properly you're going to check whether the thing you're reading is true are you gonna just go from secondary sources or are you going to try and you know I I, I, I you know I tried to speak to the archaeologists I know they're not I know they're not primary sources they weren't there they but they were there when they dug stuff up right but like I don't, I try not to just read papers or worse, books published by other people who are summarizing research or papers or stuff they've seen in a museum or stuff they might have read in another book. I, I, I try to, you know, go to the people who are writing papers on this and the experts and ask them directly and check that I have sort of got enough of the gist of what I'm, t- what. I'm writing about to be able to talk about it and that takes a lot of time and I think a lot of readers don't really sort of super care about it (laughs) and I if I sound resentful about that I suppose I am because if they were then I'd have a massive market advantage over everyone else because I do that stuff but there's no reason why that should be that should matter to you especially you know if you're reading fiction but with non-fiction as well like I I don't think people always super care too much or have the expertise to tell the difference between something that's had that level of work on it and something that hasn't and i find myself in a position where i I want my writing to be good basically i want it to be good and my definition of good is for it to be thorough and it's hard to know the difference between being thorough and being neurotic. It it, it really is, and it's, it's never going to be simple coming out of that. Like, what do I, you know, people say, you know, you get on with this new book and you write, I'm going to write a thousand words a day, I'm going to write two thousand words a day, whatever. But I can knock out six thousand words in a day, no problem, but it will be shite and people go well me too me too mine's bad as well yeah but like at what point does that get good you can't just you can't just plan it out and then write it really well and revise as you go and it turn out good i just don't think you can i i think there'll be something wooden and false and sort of what's the word i'm looking for like that kind of rigid, plodding. I've read books that were planned, that were clearly planned out before they were written. And characters have to act in illogical, stilted ways. That's the word, stilted, because they're being puppeted by a past person who didn't know them, who didn't know their hearts, who didn't know, who didn't understand them on a psychologically deep level. And as the character grows... And as you get the detail of a scene, the, like, shortcuts and other options become obvious. And so the character has to sort of hand-wave why they wouldn't do that. The story has to put obstacles in the way of the most interesting moves. And I I think it's a a constant problem, I find, with those kind of super, with writers who say, oh, I plan it and then I just write, write it and so it needs very little revision. It did. It did need a lot of revision, actually, You just didn't recognise that and your editor and agent didn't hold you to that and your audience don't necessarily hold it to you because they're not necessarily looking for that kind of story. But you should have. You should have revised it more because it would be better. And all the stories that I like and appreciate and admire have had that level of attention. (sighs) which is a pain in the ass right i don't want to do that work i want to just be able to knock it out and it's it's hard for me i feel humiliated when i write which is an incredible kind of narcissism really that i that i can't produce my my work beautifully on a first go i feel exposed and humiliated because you know i've been writing this royal Fantasy, and I'm, I'm, I'm desperately afraid of it seeming hackneyed, or seeming derivative of stuff I haven't even read or watched. Just this terror of people going, "Oh, it's a bit like this, isn't it?" And me feeling ashamed and red-faced and embarrassed, and just what, what's going on in my head that this should be such a big concern and, and worry? And I, it's, it's the same with the book I'm writing, less so, I should say. Like with non-fiction, I, I think because what I'm writing is not really like anything that anyone else has written, which is a peril in itself. But because of that, I, and because I've, you know, you, once you've I've spent so long re- researching it now, I do start to f- puff myself up a bit and think, well, which <laughs> You know, I, well, not quite puff myself up, but think like nobody else cares about this quite like I do, you you know, with good reason. This is something that I've got a little bit obsessed about and I'm super excited about it and I can't retain all the information, but I probably can retain parts of the information long enough to kind of create this very detailed book that I'll then forget a lot of the information in it, but I will have retained it long enough for this to be this lovely deep book with like little gems little interesting things little things that may go "ooh" on each page and stories that make you go "hmm" on every page so you feel like it's rewarding and easy to read that's what I want to do and I feel more confident with non-fiction in some ways it's it's hard because I know when I write for this show that because I'm writing about writing and if I've been given a topic or a subject to bounce off I can do it fairly easily and I don't I, I don't you know the fact that I can do this now and talk to you extemporaneously I don't worry that I might not be expressing myself in the perfect manner which is like the and this is I mean you will have this right you have moments you, there's parts of your life where you're pre- you can do things non-perfectly or you can even bask in the freedom of being a beginner I I i've been taking my da- daughter to uh, roller skating on a thursday some some nights uh we've gone thursdays and we've gone to we've gone to like the they're not quite roller skating lessons but it's a beginners night right and a lot of the people there are kids her age you know 5 6 year olds but there's a couple of adults who go who are uh, like on roller skates for the first time in their lives and in the least patronising way possible, I really respect them. I really admire it's cool. I, I just thought, that's awesome. And sometimes, you know, it looks painful when they fall over, but it also looks like they're sort of beginning to tickle the edges of having fun. And I... But what they're not doing is these are not people who are sort of shouting at themselves for not being brilliant at roller skating maybe a little bit later on in their journey they'll start to build up a, a an unhelpful bit of ego around it but most of the time you know they have the kind of freedom to be be crap at roller skating because no one including themselves has an expectation that they're going to be good at it and so they can do it and Isn't it nice to be able to... As an adult, we often don't put ourselves in positions where we feel out of our depth massively. Maybe, you know, if you, at work, you occasionally have to do a a leader presentation or something, you feel like that. But a lot of the time, the work we do and the positions, we increasingly calcify around things that we feel competent at. So it sucks that, like, my job, writing... Is not an area i feel confident in. <laughs> like you would have thought like i don't know why i don't know why i do this well i do i mean i do know why because i can't stop thinking about stories i love characters i love storytelling i love the the tension of it i love the the worlds and i i i love being able to describe it, I love, love the sound of a sentence. I love thinking about the cadence of a sentence and, and the poetry of a sentence. I absolutely adore it. I love being able to create something out of nothing. Storytelling is 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 the closest thing we have, in my eyes, to magic. The transposition of something on to nothing. Imagine this. Okay, there's a. We're in the dark belly of a ship. You can hear the creaking timbers. There's a an oil lamp swinging back and forth from a beam with the listing and healing of the ship. And as it moves, its frail, greasy light illuminates barrels ropes coated in pitch and crates with dirty tarpaulins draped across them you can hear and sometimes see the blinking red eyes of Rats in the corner, and there's a man standing over you with a letter. I don't know, like, that's not a great story maybe but it was something out of nothing I don't know, like I just can lose myself in stories and I care about them I like reading them I love soaking up the knowledge from non-fiction I love the excuse to speak to people you know, I I love seeing other people create moments and going like i'm continually learning stuff i'm continually challenged by it it's it's kind of wonderful i like i'm never going to be what i consider to be good at it and i like all sorts of writing as well like i love people sometimes people just write really good pulpy adventures and i love like i like these are the stories that have entertained humanity for literally for millennia. These are, this is the stuff of the old epics. These, this is the stuff of the great kind of Chinese novels. These one, like the, the, we have like these amazing, and, and you know, when, you know, Japan borrows this a little bit, but you have amazing courtly sagas, and stories of heroes going off and sometimes well they're not always heroes you know sometimes they're just people with power fighting each other over kingdoms sometimes there's sometimes there's magic sometimes the magic just you know disappears for a while and then comes back you know it features in the background there's an amazing moment in the romance of the three kingdoms where they stop in, you know, in in a big battle. The the mat the magic used by one side to give them an advantage is nullified by pelting them in pig shit, and that just see that for some reason that it turns out pig shit is switches off magic. That's, that's, it's perfect counter magic. It nullifies the spell. <laughs> you know, is not it that is not something that's I don't know if at the time that was a well known. Ruse, but it uh, maybe maybe it was like there was a cultural awareness that the 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 profane pig shit just naturally had anti arcane properties. But it's a wonderful moment, and I I love those stories told well. They've got to be told well. They don't have to be told with fancy language, but if you're not going to use fancy language, you've got to have let's have clarity, let's have crispness and crispness, and let's have pace. Because, you know, some commercial fiction that supposedly, you know, would say, well, if you don't like this, maybe it's just because you're a snob. No, I just actually would like you to get to the point and not fart around, please. And, and books that do that, I'm, I'm on board. And I, I, I love anything that can make words work harder than they usually do that isn't wank basically I think a lot of literary fiction you know I, I you know there's literary fiction that I read in my late teens and maybe early 20s that I thought was very sophisticated and I come back to now at the age of 42 and I think oh like quite a lot of posh middle class people are not as smart as they think and it turns out if this n- novel is, is is largely just a sort of delivery system just a sort of fancy, Silver platter for delivering this person's worldviews. This person's not a great thinker. They're just reasonably well off and knew a publisher, and they made a few. They're quite, you know, and they make made a certain fairly mediocre literati feel like they were clever when they were reading it. But it's not good. And I and I'm yeah, I am looking at you. Uh, vaunted male novelists of the latter half of the 20th century, C- you know, quite a lot of that stuff, in retrospect, is is shite. It's really bad. <laughs> it's a, it's a, kind of astonishingly so, in a way, kind of horribly predictably so in another. But, yeah, that's, that's what I think about that is, you know, I, I, I love... But then you just come across stuff that's amazing and wonderful and take something that you thought you weren't allowed to write about because it's too simple or because it doesn't follow the normal plot shape. And it just... I I love reading stories where the writer cares about the medium that they're using, which is words. and That they don't feel that just because they're writing a novel... Each sentence has a free pass to be dull, leaden, clumsy. They care about what they're saying and how they're saying it and how they, you know, they care about that an end in itself can be helping a reader see an object that you've made up clearly. You're just making them hallucinate. That's super great, I think. Sorry, you know, like I think that's an end in itself. That's uh, another piece of magic to make something very ordinary come to life, to make me care about a family who don't exist. And I and I I read loads of books to my daughter and now she's starting to read. So we get to read stuff together and seeing her reading slowly become more fluent and what it's unlocking for her is just this reminder of how uh, how the technology of words is this glue upon which all of civilization uh relies you know it's what we it is what holds everything else together it's what makes so much of what we do possible so that's why I do it but I'm not sure that any of that you know me trying to have a come to Jesus moment with myself is going to make me feel okay with the reality of because in a way all of that can just make me feel more and more pressured when I come back to writing on the page and just doing stuff that is not great you know you just go oh I'm so I'm betraying I'm betraying civilization (laughs) Oh, what a mess. How can I have so much self-awareness and still be so messed up? (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. What have I done? It's fine. It's fine. Like As you can tell, I'm not unhappy at the moment. I'm quite, you know, I'm doing all right. So that's good. I can have a laugh about it. But I want to make stories. And I want to keep doing it. Because I love it. And I hope at least if we... can't come to some false conclusion about suddenly being a ama- man I mean I, I do write books eventually I I I I, I weave them out with a kind of horrible burning literary cystitis where they they just come drip by burning drip and I never feel like I get relief but there we are I hope at least by airing these things and talking about them uh if it's resonated with you in any small way you know I do try to hold myself up in everything I write as a kind of a kind of grotesque extreme uh a bit like you know Gollum in Lord of the Rings it, it, you know gets to represent in some total way the 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 sin of craving and avarice but particularly craving uh that you know by by holding these things up to you you might recognize some aspect of yourself in this distorted funhouse mirror and um, it might make you feel a little bit less lonely with it it might shake something loose you know I, I do also think that just talking about these things and airing them it's a you know it's a little bit like chucking a load of ingredients into the slow cooker and then just switching it on Uh, sometimes it just softens them all uh, in a way that makes them palatable. You know, I, I think sometimes things just shift when we accept them. We don't have to say, we don't have to like put our hooks into them and say, this is my personality. This is me. I will always be like this. But there's something to be said for just going, yeah, I find it really hard. I find it really hard at the moment. I, you know, and maybe I always will. I don't know, but I feel embarrassed. I wish I was better. I wanna be good, and I love stories. I, I, I think it's all right to say those things, you know. I, I, and I have faith that when we talk about them, um, sometimes not always, but sometimes, just the act of. Holding them up to the light and maybe making friends with them and forgiving ourselves for them. Sometimes then things shift without our even making any particular effort to make them do so. Okay, so that's going to be what I say for the end of this episode. And to crown this season, season five of Death of a Thousand Cuts, I've been doing this show for years now, years and years. And uh, I'm just really grateful that you, if you're still listening to now, if it, to, to me now, even, um, I'm just very grateful. Thank you. I I I mean that it doesn't mean anything to you, Mike. What's my gratitude going to do for you? It's nothing. It doesn't mean any. It doesn't mean anything. It, it's you can't spend it. So why am I? It's like me offering you exposure. I'm not offering you exposure at all. You can't this is my podcast. No, I'm going to hopefully, I'm setting up some interviews, I'm setting up some different bits and pieces and uh, I'm looking forward to continuing with this, with with this where we can all be somewhat neurotic, although it is by no means necessary to be a writer to be neurotic. If you are happy and you enjoy your writing, it doesn't mean you, you lack the necessary tortured poet spark, you are super valid and just be glad that you don't feel that way it, yeah you are you are super legit and um you're i'm sure you're doing it the right way as well but if you enjoy the show and you'd like to support it and help me keep the lights on in terms of you know i've just paid my hosting costs again and um for soundcloud and i also pay for my website and things like that you can uh, drop me a few beans via my coffee page. That's uh, there's a link in the uh, description of today's show. But you can just go to ko-fi.com forward slash Tim Clare. That's how the whole show is funded. That's how I get to do it. And I'm really, really appreciative to um, those of you who, you know, keep just dropping bits and pieces in here there because it keeps me going. And I really appreciate it. not emotionally like it, it is a nice thing emotionally as well but you know i'm not suggesting uh that uh my well-being is in some way reliant on those don't know, it might be i'm not i'm not suggesting it though but it might be um but yeah uh, also you can um go to our we've got a, we've got a discord server now you know you might not have downloaded the app discord but it's just a little uh little chat a series of chat rooms it can do voice and things like that I haven't really made use of that yet I dare say I will and there's a really lovely community who share work and talk about writing and everyone's pretty nice and uh, I'm on there occasionally as well would love to see you there there's an invite you can go to in the uh, show's description that you can click through and join us Um, you can lurk as long as you want and just while you kind of figure it out if you're not super familiar with the app but um would be lovely to see you there and that's one way that you can you can join in with a community and, and and start to ask questions and get feedback and even you know share people share their first pages and, and get and, and there's actually even a forum where you can set up critique swaps or get uh, an accountability buddy or something like that you know someone to share longer pieces of work or request people give you feedback on on, on longer pieces so hopefully it's a place you can go to and avail yourself potentially of peer support because goodness knows all of us can do with including including me including old timmy c the uh the guru of the 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 some some of some have called me the uh the Bob Ross of uh, creative writing pedagogy. I don't think that's true because he um, was prolific and sexy. But (laughs) I do think it's true that uh, I am super, super glad whenever you do well in your writing. And thank you for sticking with the show this far. I'm going to be back for season six. But until then, take care. And I wish you... A wonderful week of writing.